This program is brought to you by P1 Australia Racing Components, the designer of the oil heat mats for dry sump tank applications. Find out more about the truths on engine oil heating at p1australia.com. You love supercars and keeping up to speed sometimes means hitting the rev limiter? Welcome to the Gates Rev Limiter Podcast. After each round, we unpack what happened. Join Andrew Clark. We've paused a fraction and got it right, and they probably still would have won the race. I mean, and yours truly, Neville Wilkinson. These are the heady days when Ford was spending mega bucks for all the action, all the controversy, and sometimes a little emotion. The Gates Rev Limited Supercars Podcast. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or where you listen to them. Thunder Media. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. And you're listening to Inside Supercars. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. There's plenty to come out of Newcastle in 2023. The Supercars Championship kicked off with a host of winners in new cars and all getting about their business in different ways. We find out from four engineers how they went about their weekend. We hear from Andrew Edwards, Adam DeBore, Alastair McVean, and also the doc, Jeff Slater. I think there's a lot of learning to go for all of us on how to get the best out of these cars. I'd say now I like them, but yeah, there's a lot of quirks to them that we still need to work on. And I I think if you truly, you know, truly want to win, you never switch off, like, you know, Chaz and I talk just as much during the on-season as we do the off-season. Yeah, it's, it's a relief that we get a good result at the end of the weekend. We engineer the outcome of Newcastle here today on Inside Supercars. And it starts now. Welcome to Inside Supercars. Tony Whitlock and Craig Ravel. It's post-Newcastle debut of Gen 3. We're going to hear from uh, Andrew Edwards, of course, who is now in his second year at Triple Eight. And one of the things we should actually highlight, and people don't think about these things, but particularly now, Shane has spoken about it on Friday, the challenge that uh, Andrew and Shane have was getting the car up to speed, and they demonstrated yet again, Andrew is a sharp man and did a wonderful job to give uh, Shane the car. Shane won three championships as his third from last year, and he's had three different race engineers from Triple Eight uh, in each of those championships. So that's quite an extraordinary thing to uh, to have uh, achieved that uh, result. So Andrew Edwards, Alison McVeigh, of course, who's been with Dave Reynolds for some years, Adam DeBore, of course, with Chaz Mostert, and Jeff Slater with James Golding, making his presence felt with this new car and a new team in Premier Racing. Craig, it was an amazing weekend. Uh, we went wonderfully well. I can't think of any other than the obvious very <laughs> elephant in the room, the Triple Eight cars and the disqualification of them. Other than that, it, the event went incredibly well. I, I'm sure that you would think the same sort of thing. Yes, for all the trouble and for all the angst of getting these cars onto the track to have the minimal amount of problems and there were problems but to have the minimal amount of problems that was an incredible 
achievement by the teams and a lot of determination, a lot of late nights. The overtime bills are going to be staggering. Indeed. And one of the things, and having spent, you know, best part of 29 years up and down pit lane, one of the things was I was picking up a tone and it wasn't, you know, anything directly anyone said. There was certainly a large amount of the it is what it is sort of comments that people made. Um, but there was a genuine spirit in pit lane amongst those uh, 11 teams and hundreds of people who all had a, we've got to make it work, um, and which would go along with the scape philosophy of, oh, this is fantastic, this is all great, this is all wonderful. Well, yeah, it, but it was enduring, but people made it work because they wanted to see it succeed. And uh, it was wonderful to see. There were some interesting sort of disappearing acts that people did, like Brody Kostecki's on pole one day, next day, way back in the pack. Um the way in which DJR just disappeared for the weekend. I'm sure that uh, while we couldn't get any comment officially from anybody, I'm sure they'd love to say, oh, we're not here, really. We didn't turn up because they were nowhere. And considering they were an homologation team, it was quite extraordinary the uh, the success um, they didn't have. But the other couple of things I'll just make mention of is probably Premier Racing. So um, two drivers um, flew the flag high for the Newlon Racing and the Zerubus own team, and uh, in that they showed well on Saturday and again on Sunday in qualifying, didn't have the success because of teething problems with components such as wheels and fueling rigs. But then come Sunday, there they were for their best ever team result. Um, quite extraordinary since Sabiris has bought the team. They showed up big time with uh, the uh, James Golden car coming in fourth, and he was certainly somebody who was not intimidated by Van Gisbergen, who may have won the race and worked his way through, but he did a crackerjack job. Um, your overall impressions of those uh, driving force? Yeah, starting with DJR, they well, we spoke to Bing Croke on... Friday, Saturday morning. It's a long time ago now. And you can hear that conversation with Ben on uh, sportradio.com.au. Everything looked like it was going to uh, go well, but it turned sour. And, well, these things happen in motor racing. I think Paul Gover made an excellent point at the press conference on Saturday when he said it's a parody car formula, it's not a parody driver formula. And that was in response to Shane's 15-second win on Saturday. Now, there's no point going into the politics. There's going to be an appeal. The appeal will be successful or unsuccessful. The fact of the matter is Shane Van Gisbergen went across that line 15 seconds ahead of the next car, which happened to be his teammate. Shane Van Gisbergen won the Sunday race by a few seconds. I think it might have been five. And the race was five to ten laps cut short because it was time certain. I can't remember whether it was 85 laps or 90 laps. I think it was 85 laps that the race on Sunday 
was shortened by uh, because of the uh, the incident with the wall being right. uh, interrupted off the yeah. start. But you know, you had a situation here where he won. Sorry, he went across the line first by 15 seconds. He won the next race by a goodly number of seconds. And how many seconds could that possibly have been if you went the full race distance? That is something that is probably going to haunt many of the engineers on their way to the AGP. Um, I'm going to make a comment now that maybe some people will object to strongly, but it's amazing how such a young child can be so fast in one of these cars. Shane behaved very badly over the weekend. Um, I had uh, a moment where his father spoke to me in a way that uh, I didn't deserve, and Shane spoke to a media conference and, and on Sunday where he was not the way a sportsman and a three-times champion should be speaking and behaving. But anyway, on with the show. Well, as um, you know, no, well, let's what? talk about that because I have the complete opposite opinion. Yep. And uh, that's yep. only fair that, you know, you, nope. you and I yep. had completely different experiences across the weekend with Shane. And I think Shane managed to throw some light on some behaviours in the sport, which have been going on for a while. And when I say a while, a long time. And uh, you saw David tie himself in, in knots trying not to say that he'd been spoken to and then having to just plead the fifth in the end. It, he did it a certain way. Was it the right way? That's up for debate, but it definitely was an effective way because the conversation's being had now right across the sport. Yep, yep, indeed. There is no doubt that, you know, the man moves on a different plateau. He's cut from a different piece of wood in terms of driving skills and he showed it yet again. The, it was wonderful to see, I think, from the first day we walked in, uh, when the, the, the public was in there on Friday, from that moment on, there were people everywhere. And it was as good as I remember seeing any, at any time. It, uh, it certainly justified the reason to go back there to make the opening event of this year's calendar. Uh, it was fantastic to see. I'm sure that you would have felt the same thing. Yeah, I did. The interesting thing was KPMG were doing some surveying and I, I had a chat to the uh, KPMG people there to get a feel from them of what the response is. They were doing that survey for uh, the Newcastle city or the city of Newcastle. There was a couple of other ones. A supercar will have been doing their own um, survey and and it was interesting that the uh, impression I got from the uh, people taking the survey was that it had been a, a, an extremely beneficial uh, result for the city of Newcastle. The crowd is the, I think they said the second biggest crowd to the very first um, event Across the three days, 167, 197. And uh, I went to the Saturday concert whilst you were having uh, a very luxurious dinner, Tony. The crowd was packed. So um, I know many of our colleagues said not one ticket more was told by the concerts, but I can tell you a lot of people stayed to see them because it was a, a fantastic atmosphere after the racing. Um, to have everyone at the concerts. So that also adds to the event. 
the the downer for me was the treatment of Super 2 and Super 3, or as it's been colloquially termed into one group, the Dunlop series. Indeed. And uh, yet again, uh, this is the same complaint that's been going on for years when they run on the same bill. Of course, there was a time when the development series did go off to do their own thing. But um, after uh, uh, some changes in the, <laughs> the uh, uh, development series, their uh, cons- consultation sort of method through to it to where they want to be on the main game. They want to be there because they want the big crowds and they want to be putting the drivers uh, in front of the team managers to focus on their ability and show that off. Um, but the way in which the uh, the two 25 lap races, I think they were, were cut back to 12 laps, uh, I think, on both days. Yeah, okay, they had accidents and incidents, but uh, it's sad because the sponsors that each of those teams has and each of those young drivers uh, is hoping to show the chance in front of the team managers and team owners just didn't happen. It's... Uh, it's very sad to see that occur on a consistent basis for some years. Something that really needs to change in order that they get their proper thing. But speaking of rookies, where those guys come from, because the amazing thing was of the 25 drivers in the series and the main game, seven of them are past development series champions. Seven of them have come through that ladder to get into the main game. And you, know, you can talk about the Brock Feeney's that Cam, Cam Waters and Mark Winterbottoms, um, Tom Randalls. It's just seven of them there, and it's a fantastic thing, and it's a clear demonstration that that system does work, but they need to get their time in front of a TV camera and the crowd on the day. Speaking of the, those rookies, I think we've got one of the finest fields of those rookies come this year. Three of them come directly from the uh, Super 2 Series, uh, won the champion, Declan Fraser, Cameron Hill, and uh, Matt Payne. And they are each in their own right terrific young drivers, stand up well in front of a TV camera, show themselves well with great driving skills, and they are certainly deserving to be there. And we'll be talking to them in a uh, series. We'll be looking through them throughout the rest of this year as those rookies develop into, uh, again, drivers that will be... Uh, in years to come, the champions more than likely at some stage in our main series. Fantastically done by uh, all involved to get those, those three particular ones in the series. Um, today's uh, show is going to have some highlights of a different sort because we weren't talking to drivers. We were talking to the men responsible for finding the speed. And, of course, one of the things that's uh, amazing with the new car is discovering how small the window is yet again for the setup. It's that little, you know, those in toilets sometimes they have a little window very, very high up in the, in the wall, <laughs> and you see it's a tiny little window. That's the sort of setup window that the guys have got now for Gen Three. Yes, it was fascinating to speak to the engineers about their weekend, and as you rightly pointed out, we've got the top four from last weekend so that is something to listen to but before we go to the engineers i think it's uh, important to have a look at the championship erebus motorsport leads the way from penwright racing team 18 in third position walkinshaw andretti in fourth then tickford round out the top five don't know how many people 
would have uh, picked Erebus to come out of weekend number one as the top team. But congratulations to them for that. Um, Chaz Mostert is leading the points by 45 points from Brody Kostecki, which backs up the Erebus result because their second driver was in sixth place. Cam Waters in third, David Reynolds in fourth, and Andre Heimgartner for Brad Jones Racing. He, he was the shining light down in that garage, which I have to say is a long way down the road, Tony, when you're in pit lane. It, it is indeed. And in fact, uh, Andre was a uh, virtually a sole warrior from the BJR stable. Um, we didn't see... Uh, Anything featuring much from uh, the other three, that being Bryce Forward, Macaulay Jones and Jack Smith, unfortunately, just didn't make it, which was surprising because they're historically, BJR have shown uh, a great ability to get the new cars and get up to speed. But, yep, looking at those uh, performances, there are some wonderful ones there. Um, there are a number of other things that have happened of a real important nature this weekend. Yes, we had this situation with Shane and, and, and not talking in a press conference. But one of the things that I think is needs to be highlighted is that finally, um, against maybe Supercars' wishes, we don't know, but the drivers have got their association. There have been two, at least two attempts. This will be the third one I know of. Um, in the years past, they actually had formed and got... Um, a legal uh, opinion on putting a driver's association together and now it's happened where the uh, four drivers who are the initial representatives and it started at the Gold Coast last year, uh, Andrew Van Leeuwen has written about it and uh, done a terrific job uh, highlighting it and getting the story out there. Um, I was twice uh, told to write about it um, when I was publishing Race Facts but uh, the story's out there so that Chaz Mostert, Shane Van Gisberg and Cam Waters and Will Davison are the driver representatives to put their view forward to supercars and race control, putting their opinion out there. And I think it's a, a terrific thing that's happened. And we should also credit Stefan Bartholomeus because both of them had the story. I don't know who got it up first. It's unusual that your car crosses the line first, both days of racing, but you only work away with one trophy. Andrew Edwards was in that position, and on Sunday evening, I caught up with him and asked him to sum up his weekend. <laughs> uh, there's a bit of there's a bit going on at the moment with the weekend, but in terms of uh, yeah, the pace and the the results on track, I, I couldn't be prouder for the team. So much work and sacrifice has gone into this to get to this point. And you just never know where you are until this first race, you know what I mean? Like uh, The test sessions don't mean anything. So to get here and have some real race pace, um, yeah, it was amazing. Were you happy with the decisions you were making throughout the weekend on the, the tweaks or the, the changes and they were doing what you thought they would do when Shane was talking back to you? Yeah, look, look at the moment, I'm not sure. I, I don't feel like I've done enough testing to build much of a picture, so... And like normal, we keep a pretty straight bat over a weekend. You know, we'd have to be a fair way off to go off some, down some different route. So, look, we're, we're, we're pretty straight, um, keeping it under control. The, the goal was just to try and survive the weekend, more or less, and see where we are and then go from there. So I just think there's a lot of learning to go for all of us on how to get the best out of these cars. We do have a lot more hard 90-turn tracks coming up. 
So the data here, you can see how it can translate and probably what you can do to optimise it. Yeah, I mean, I think this track is a strength of a triple eight car. You know what I mean? Like the, the core physics or background to that to that setup, you know, works well at this type of track. But yeah, still, there's still a case where the drivers are trying to understand what they want they want out of the car. You know what I mean? There's still how hard can you push the rears? What what balance do you need for the race? You know, we're still all learning these things. So. I think there's still, still a lot to come. What do you now turn your mind to going to the Grand Prix track? Billiard table and yeah. slow corners, or yeah, slow it's, steering it's, corners? Yeah, look, it, it's, it, is, it is quite opposite, you know, it's quite different and, um, and it's going to be another different test, you know, and this will be, you know, quite an aero track obviously we're going to and now with these cars, quite a difference. So, uh, yeah, I think we've got we've to have a, have a good think about how that looks, but um, I think we will see a difference there in probably what we're used to run. And with the Melbourne Grand Prix track being so different, but I imagine because we're talking downforce and we're talking slow steer corners, Sandown Bathurst have a few of those in their makeup as well. Yeah, I mean, there's different tracks with different kind of drag requirements and, and, and yeah, with this new car, that's going to change your perspective a little bit, I think. Um, I don't think we're on top yet. We're still trying to learn our way and catch up, really catch up from all the work that we've done to get to this point. So I think once we sit down and get to work on the car and understand the dynamics a bit more, I think we'll be able to optimise it better. Well, congratulations on the weekend. One trophy, but real car speed. Appreciate it. Thanks very much. Alistair McVie had a good end to the weekend with he and David Reynolds finding form, pole position and onto a podium. Their race pace looking a little bit down on their qualifying pace. But we had a chance to speak to the man that David Reynolds calls Big Al. The first weekend's wrapped up. How are you feeling about this Newcastle race and your new Ford? Uh, yeah, pretty happy with how it went on Sunday. Obviously getting pole was pretty good for the whole team. Everyone's worked so hard over the last two months to get these things on the track. Um, so yeah, it was great to give the boys some reward and get going in a positive fashion. And do you like engineering these cars, working on these cars? Or is it too soon to say whether you can like it or not? Uh, yeah, I'd say now I like them, but yeah. Oh, there's a lot of quirks to them that we still need to work on and get better. They're they need to be easier to work on for the boys and a lot of things, but um, I think the car and the concept themselves is looking pretty good, so um, I think we could build on it from here. We saw James hit the wall and the team didn't, from the shootout to the race, have time to rebuild it. I guess that would be a, a red light flashing in most people's heads. They would have struggled to fix the old car in that time frame, but certainly there's improvements to be made there, definitely. And what about your car? We go from quick to slow corners, billiard table to street roads. How do you think that transition's going to pan out? Or have you not even started thinking about that because you've just had to build it and get it here? I'm uh, always thinking about it. We've been to three different circuits now. We've been to Winton, Sydney Motorsport Park and here, and they're very different. Uh, we've, we've been happy with our performance at each track, so hopefully we can just learn and learn and learn. Every day's a, a new learning experience. Um, what you see this weekend in terms of the form guide could be completely different at the next one, so we just got to keep working and understanding as quick as we can. Now, pole position and a podium, trophies home, it always does make for a nice way to end it. Oh, exactly, like everyone had worked to the very last piece of energy they had to get here, so getting that little bit of a positive 
result just really helps to push them forward to get on to the next phase. Well, I hope you get some time to wind down before you have to wind up again. Oh, still a lot of work to be done on these things, so uh, probably another month before we can start thinking about resting. Chas Mostert's engineer is Adam Deborah, and he had a solid weekend with two podiums. It looked like you had a lot of confidence with the tool that you've been given. Yeah, the car responds quite well to change, um, which is always nice, and it, it it does what you kind of visualise and think that it should do, um, which allows you to kind of try to hone in on, on, a, on a good setup and, and get the car in the window. Um, you know, we always had very limited running at Sydney, and, and obviously, you know, we had a good test at Winton that followed. So um, it was good to roll out the truck strong here this weekend, get a couple of trophies, get some good points, and, and start the year well. What were your hopes? about how this weekend could go, not just for your car and your team, but just for the whole series? Listen, we, you know, it's obviously been a big push for everyone to get cars on the grid and, and, and obviously, you know, it's, a, it's a, uh, a credit to everyone to have them as close as, as they are. You know, qualifying is probably closer than it's ever been, um, which is, you know, makes it a headache for us, but it's obviously good for the spectators and fans. So, you know, nice, reliable running for most people. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was a quite a huge success, so it was good for everyone. Now, a lot of people talk about their other motorsport interests. You, of course, have a kart team and you don't seem to get away from it too often. No, no. Um, yeah, I've been doing, uh, doing motorsport now for over 20 odd years. So, uh, yeah, my boys, uh, my boys both race karts and they love it. So, we, you know, we do travel around Australia with them and do as much as we can. Obviously, this calendar makes it pretty hard. We miss a lot of races. So they do well when they can do it and uh, you know my other interest you know I do a lot of damper development and suspension development in other categories which you know is also another another interest for me. Yeah, and uh, chalk dinos are so soothing as they run through the program. That's it that's it no we um, I'm fortunate enough that you know I've got some great customers and, and we, we have a lot of success and it's it's been going well. Is it easy for you now to switch to out of here and, and do debrief and then have that mental time you need not to be thinking about it so that when you go for AGP you can switch on again or that there just doesn't exist once you get into season? No, once you're, um, I, I think if you truly, you know, truly want to win, you never switch off. Like, you know, Chaz and I talk just as much during the on-season as we do the off-season. So, um, you know, you never stop thinking. I've got a, I've got a few-hour drive home tomorrow and that's when I come up with most of my best ideas when it's in the solitude and the quiet on my car and and then I get home and start looking things up and start working things out and then hopefully we uh, hopefully it translates to speed on track. Do you have anything from the weekend so far that you go okay I think that although we've never tried it before that's what I want to do at, at Melbourne Grand Prix? Um, Grand Prix is obviously a very different different set of uh, track conditions and circumstances and obviously this place there will be a different a philosophy shift it's a philosophy that we haven't tried because we haven't been at a track like the Grand Prix so we'll, we'll all be going into the bit of the unknown there um, that's probably where we're going to see the biggest difference with the cars from old to new is is you know Grand Prix was our, our highest aero sensitive circuit on the calendar that we go to um, you know, downforce was key for lap time, so you just maximise downforce. You know, we don't have any downforce now, so it's going to be a case of chasing mechanical grip and trying to get the car to look after its tyres. You know, we've got different compounds there again that we haven't raced on, 
this year, so that's another challenge that we're going to have to face. Um, yeah, we're just going to have to kind of see how it goes and, and, and go from there. How happy were you with the way Chaz managed the race, managed his tyres? I know all the drivers love to talk about how it, oh, they're toast after 10 laps, and they all know they have to go 20 at least. So how, do you, how did you find his tyre management from your perspective? Uh, yesterday we were, were probably a little bit better tyre life car. Um, today we, we probably focused a bit more on speed. And I think we we're, were faster today relative to, to what we were yesterday. But we just hurt the tyres a little bit too much. So he did well with what he had. Um, he, he looked after the tyres. He, he kept hitting the targets that we were trying to hit. And um, no, he, he did well. But you know, I just don't think we gave him quite the car to, to hang on you know, against you know, Shane, who had 10, 12 up fresher tyres than us at the end. Well, there's plenty more fast turn tracks that you can maximise it next time on. Yeah, this has always been a bit of a bogey track for us to come away with two podiums. We've been pretty happy. Um, you know, prior to prior to this weekend, we hadn't been anywhere near the podium here. So, um, so we'll take two seconds at what I would say going into the season would be our worst track. So we'll take that, and uh, hopefully, you know, Grand Prix has been kind to us in the past, and hopefully, we can have another great, great event there and uh, see if we can get some results. And finally, the blue oval feel comfortable back on your shirt. No, it's great. Uh, it's great being back with with Ford. You know, obviously we've been with them for a few years. You know, when I was at with uh, with Tickford down the road. So no, it's you know they're a great company to be involved with, and uh, yeah, it's always nice to uh, nice to get some results for them. You do get to turn off at some point before the Grand Prix. We'll try. We'll see how we go. Jeff Slater is the engineer for James Golding again this year and the Newlon Racing team had a solid end to the weekend as Tony Whitlock found out. I'm here with Jeff Slater after uh, a podium uh, for him and the team at uh, Newcastle in race two and fourth place. Oh, sorry, it was fourth place. It wasn't a podium. He's just reminded me. But um, it matches... Uh, James Golding's best ever, which was the fourth place at Sandown in 2017. Uh, he drove well today, uh, obviously top three in qualifying and fourth in the race. We're slowly ticking some of the boxes that we need to move forward. Yeah, indeed. Now, um, for two days in a row, you were getting both cars in the top ten, you and Tim Slade's car. Um, and it seems that they made major improvements today in making the car live longer and you didn't have those wheel problems or the refuelling problems that, that were prevalent yesterday. Uh, we sat down as a group last night and uh, nodded out all the issues that we had. Um, it, luckily today we had solved the issues so the cars took both of them finishing the top 10 which is a, a good positive considering the car pace that we had yesterday and the disappointment with having two failed pit stops. Um, so. Yeah, it's, it's a relief that we get a good result at the end of the weekend. Okay, all right. Um, and now, obviously, with the Gen 3 car, it's going to be a totally different game going there. You can't go there with any you know, any of the statistics or technology, strategy, anything about the Grand Prix is also different. There's no fuel races, though, at the Grand Prix, are there? No, just tyres. Just tyres, and it's uh, a mix of two tyres, isn't it? A hard and a super soft. Yep, okay. Um, the, some years ago, the tyres were blistering at the Grand Prix. Last um, year. Unlikely to be the that case now? I mean, the cars are a bit lighter, but uh, the thermal deg that we had last year is just due to the new surface and the soft compound. Basically, the temperature had nowhere to go on the tyre, so the tyres blistered. Might be a bit better this year with the lighter car, but uh, we won't know until we get there. Okay. And obviously, James has done enough to uh, 
learn about uh, getting it off the line okay? Because he certainly did that today. Uh, we did a few practice pit stops at uh, last test day and um, he's feeling more confident with the car and the clutch. So he did a good job today. One of the best comments I heard yesterday from any of the drivers, and obviously it was him when he'd uh, in between qualifying in the top 10 shootout. Didn't have the best top 10 shootout yesterday, but hell, he hasn't done it that many times. <laughs> um, but the best comment I heard yesterday was when he talked about the fact that he liked the new car better than the old car. He feels it suits his driving style. Uh, uh, ever since the day he's driven it, he's commented that it actually really suits him. Um, a lot of drivers have complained of the nervousness from the rear and uh, a lot of other issues, but he's just knuckled down and figured out how to drive it best he can. Um, hopefully we keep making improvements and keep going faster. Well, thank you very much, Chef Sider. Enjoy your time away and uh, get back to Queensland. Thank you. Don't forget, you can catch up with more Supercars action on Supercars Today right throughout the week. Until next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next time for more or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. You love supercars and keeping up to speed sometimes means hitting the rev limiter? Welcome to the Gates Rev Limiter Podcast. After each round, we unpack what happened. Join Andrew Clark. We paused a fraction and got it right, and they probably still would have won the race. I mean, and yours truly, Neville Wilkinson. These are the heady days when Ford was spending mega bucks for all the action, all the controversy, and sometimes a little emotion. The Gates Rev Limited Supercars Podcast. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or where you listen to them.